0: You are listening to the bird calls, SB Nations podcast dedicated to the birdrights.com. What's up, Hells fans? Welcome to another episode of The Bird Calls featuring the OGs. First up, editor-in-chief Ali Kosell. not to be confused with his evil twin brother, Ali Kusel. What's up, Ali? <laughs>
2: What's up? That's actually perfect, uh, Preston, because uh, last night I think you got the first dose of pessimistic Ali this season. So yeah, maybe we should have two names for me, depending on my mood.
0: Oh, that's a good idea. Kevin, you missed this. But uh, for the listeners, last night we recorded a a game preview with our friend Mark King of Grizzly Bear Blues, and uh, he correctly uh, pronounced uh, Ollie's name, which I've been uh, mispronouncing for the past.
1: I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on
0: contact cordell Cordell cordell.com 1065 east hillsdale boulevard suite 310 foster city california 94404 the better part of four months uh but ollie was so gosh darn negative on the podcast maybe we should just call him cussell from now on he seems (laughs) to like the pelicans a lot better when we mispronounce his name and not to be forgotten his partner in crime the one the only kevin barrios am i getting your name right
3: you sure did you got it right
0: Thank the gods. Uh, on the docket today, we've got a preseason lettuce wrap. We've got week one previews against teams like the Grizz, the Doves, the Lakers, and the Blazers. Uh, grab your respirators, guys, because the bells have 10 games in the first 17 days of this season. So we're going to be talking lineups, rotations, and uh, the tenuous future of Jordan Crawford. That's something that I'm going to uh, pick a fight with Ollie about. But um, first, I know these guys want to talk about this. Uh, a bit of a PSA. Um, there was a spat. Uh, on twitter between colleagues and while both these guys probably don't listen to the podcast they probably run their own podcast and they've got plenty to worry about other than the bird rice or the bird rights podcast in case that they do i just want to say something and that's that we love you guys we're a tight-knit community in new orleans there's there's not a lot of us we're a small group but but i think it's a good one i respect the hell out of both these guys I, i think that they they do great work they're great people i've been following them for a long time And, you know, I I respect my guys at Pelican Debrief, the Bourbon Street Shots have been nothing but nice to me. Jeff Duncan was a wonderful interview several months ago, and just just everyone i've dealt with has been wonderful in my short time in this community and i just want to say that it can be easy to misunderstand you know when you're when you're posting to the inner waves and maybe that's the case it's also possible that sometimes we can take things a bit too far that that sometimes that's just the nature of what can happen with these sort of things i know that i'm guilty of it i'm sure that ali and kevin have at times been guilty of it but at the end of the day I know that none of these guys that I know and look up to have, have anything but respect for each other. Even, even though disagreeing and, and making fun of each other's takes in hindsight can be, can be fun as hell. I know some of my guys at the bird rides like to send me tweets, you know, and, people say you know Preston's a great host but his his points of view are garbage like I get that that's the nature of this sort of thing we we poke fun at each other and and we want to point out when each other's wrong or when we don't agree with something or if you miss a game and you have a point on it hey we should all be called out from time to time but the point is it should never feel personal and for those guys if it does let's squash it right here right now on the bird rights I love to have both these guys on here to talk to some Good-natured Pell stuff. Just throw around some opinions, no judgments from anybody. We're all here because we love the Pelicans. Uh, I've had one of these guys in the past. He was a great interview. always generous with his time, and I'm hoping to have the second guy sometime the next week. He's been super generous. So if you guys are down, let's do this. Let's squash it right now. Ali, do you have anything you want to add to this?
2: Yeah, you pretty much touched on everything. Um, I can understand why Mason said what he said, and I think almost any – local fan who is either from a small market or on a team that's kind of been middling for a while or something like that um, should understand what Mason meant by that. I don't think it was a personal attack after Justin at all. It was just more of the mindset of what the ringer has been doing. And that is, you know, basically downplaying any chance of the New Orleans Pelicans having any kind of success this year. So Mason just simply pointed out, which was true, that their. Um, they're staying behind some work that says the Pelicans are going to come second to last in the Western Conference this season. Um, so I didn't find any problem with what, whatsoever with what Mason tweeted out this morning, but then Justin kind of did respond to it. And, you know, as uh, for those that don't know, he now writes uh, for the ringer. So he responded basically in essence, you know, just just explaining it. It was just one person's opinion. It's not everybody that works with the ringer. And sometimes we have always all lumped everybody that works there in the one, uh, in, in the, just one single group. Um, and it's understandable. A lot of those guys are Boston either from Boston, from the Northeast and or have kind of slandered the Pelicans or just don't think it's going to work. So all of it's understandable, but you, you said the the best and the most important part person that these things do happen, but don't let it get to you. Got to move on.
0: Yeah. What about you, Kevin? Uh, were you privy to some of this stuff going on on social media today?
3: Yeah, I happened to see a little bit of that where I just went for a walk and I was kind of got back right before we recorded this and started looking uh, uh, on Twitter and I saw it. I mean, my take has always been like, I mean, I guess I come from an art school background where we create art and you put it on the wall and your classmates tear it apart, your teacher tears it apart. So like to me, when you work in an industry or volunteer or whatever you want to say uh, in an industry where you're putting work out on display in public it's sort of accepted that that's what's going to come back. You know, you're going to get critiques, you're going to get negative reviews. Sometimes you're going to get positive reviews. So like for me, like I, I don't take any of that to heart. Like if somebody hates on one of my, my pieces or something I put out there, fine. You know, that's what I'm used to growing up. And I think it's what we should expect. Um, Really. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, that's what we're doing to basketball players and coaches and GMs, you know, like, so um, I don't, I don't think you should have, you, you can't have thin uh, skin in this uh, sort of line of work or hobby, whatever way you want to look at it. That's just my opinion.
0: Yeah. And I, I think we've said as much as we need to say, we love both those guys. They both do great stuff and uh, we hope that they continue building their relationship in the community. Cause, cause it is a strong community of Pelicans fans and we need all the great writers that we can get in this market. Let's, let's move on. Um, Kevin, I'm going to start with you because, uh, the Pelicans uh matchup with the Grizz last Friday was was so painful. It almost uh threw Ali Cosell. There I go again, right off the bandwagon. Uh let me just remind everybody, this is this is the preseason. We're talking about the pre, you know, we're talking about practice, man. These these are practice games. Uh this this 142 to 101 embarrassment of a performance has everyone uh from Ali and everybody else just just jumping off the bandwagon uh we were talking to mark king of the grizzlies 3 and d pod last night and of course we were talking about the ringer just released a video in addition to that uh i listened to chris vernon and kevin o'connor on the Ringer nba show and, and chris uh i guess by all accounts was at the grizzlies game and walked out at some point in the third quarter um so i just i just want to ask Kevin, throw throw a bucket of water onto this forest fire for us. Calm everybody down. We've got 10 games in 17 days. How are you feeling on day one of this NBA season, and how does it relate to the preseason for you?
3: I feel pretty good. I mean, obviously, I would like it better if we had uh, Rondo and even a healthy Solomon Hill. But in my opinion, we have two of the top 20 players in the league, and Drew Holiday is, you know, somewhere in the upper – level of of play. I mean, if you count him as a two guard, he's one of the better two guards cuz there's not a whole lot of really great two guards in the league at the moment. Um I still like him better as a point guard. I mean, even from what I've seen in the preseason, whenever he's on the ball, he seems to be more comfortable, more aggressive. Um but anyway, that being said, you have those three guys, you surround them with average NBA players and they should be pretty good. Um so I think it's all gonna work out. Um, I mean, I'm not obviously you would like to have more of a positive display in the preseason and you know, look, first game of this of the preseason,, uh, the first half was incredible. I mean, we've what well, we put up sixty nine points, but um we saw the exact opposite in the final game. So I mean, it doesn't really matter. I didn't luckily for me my sister got married this weekend. So I was really tied up with a lot of family and stuff like that. So I didn't even see that game and I didn't bother to go back and watch it once I saw what happened. So I got to miss out on the nightmare that that was, but I wouldn't have taken a lot away from it anyway. Um, the only things you'd like to see is like, I'd like to see elimination of five sets. I'd like to see some more off ball movement, um, those kind of things. But, you know, people not trying too hard on defense in preseason doesn't bother me too much because, you know, save that for the regular season. Don't try to get I mean, what what do we want out of the preseason? We don't want people to get hurt. Um, and that's the main thing. And we did lose Rondo, which is is tough, especially because, you know, you were going in and you were trying to set up a style of play uh where Drew was gonna be playing the two and Rondo was going to be playing the one. And then now even though he's out and they're saying um everybody's going to kind of share it definitely changes the dynamic of the floor and uh it changes the rotation like perhaps each one more would have been the start in 3 and you would have had um uh, more and um I mean sorry uh um rondo and holiday as you're starting backcourt and but now more is you know going to start at the 2 and then we'll see uh, it's apparently dante is going to start at the 3 so i mean that might have had to change their plans there also we don't know but um You know, it would have just been nice to have continuity going into the season, which we haven't had in a long time. And that's the the biggest bad spot of it. But luckily, we seem to have come out relatively unscathed. You know, the main things you need, Holiday, Cousins and Davis healthy. And even though Cousins has a tweaked ankle, it seems like he's going to play. So that's all I'm going to take out of the preseason.
0: Ollie Kevin uh, said two things that I wanted to throw to you. One was continuity, something that obviously the Pelicans always have difficulty uh, having, especially to begin a, a season with all the injury, uh, bad luck we've seen to have. But he also mentioned early on, have, surrounding these superstars with average players and not to take shots. I just want to quote, cause these guys, you know, talk about the Pelicans. So we want to address it. Kevin O'Connor referred to Rajon Rondo and Tony Allen as fossils. And uh, Chris Vernon said it's, it's downright criminal what the Pelicans have been surrounding Anthony Davis with this off season. So, uh, in, in reference to the loss to the Bulls, the Thunder, the win against the Bulls at home when Rajan Rondo was lost four to six weeks with a sports hernia, and then finally this game last Friday against the Memphis Grizzlies, what can you take away from the preseason? How confident are you heading into the season with the supporting role uh, players?
2: I am a little less confident, Preston. As for jumping off the bandwagon, as you so eloquently said to Kevin initially <laughs> that I did, that is so not true. I don't want any listener to think that's what I've done. Not at all. All I've noticed is that through four games, through what I've seen, is that we've got to slightly reduce our expectations of this team at the start. Um, I don't think they're firing on all cylinders. And, again, you can use that preseason argument all you want, but I saw way more bad things than good things. Um, and with the loss of several key players, especially Rondo. I mean, those guys have been practicing all summer once he was signed. Um, and through most of training camp and suddenly he's taken away you gotta expect some bumps i mean he was such a big part of the offense people were probably relying on him to get them into position or get them easy baskets suddenly our only easy baskets are gonna come on those days where our guys are actually cutting well um and making some outside shots and that's precisely what didn't happen against the memphis grizzlies so that's all I'm saying. I was hoping for the team to get out of the gate strong, and I thought it was possible, even though the schedule is tough as hell. Now I'm just I'm praying that they can maybe you know through the first twelve games sniff five hundred, you know go six and six. I think I would call that a huge win. So that that's all I meant <laughs> by you know what I talked about yesterday, kind of taking a step back on this high that I was on the team. Um, I think you almost have to. You just got to look at what's in front of you, what's with the team, how they perform. So. That's all I did. But anyways, to answer your question, Preston, further along, as far as the role players, um, I don't see, I don't necessarily think that's true. Role players are role players. It all just depends on how it comes together as a fit around the superstars. And we honestly don't know how it's gonna turn out. It, there's there's three new faces that are gonna be playing tomorrow. Uh Darius Miller, Ian Clark, and Tony Allen. So Darius Miller might come out and knock down four or five threes. Uh Tony Allen may be able to stop somebody. Uh, maybe inside a few uh, turnovers and therefore lead the easy hoops or easy baskets. And then um, who, else? who else? Oh, man. oh yeah, Aiden Clark, who I think is going to be – I he's my favorite for the sixth man for the Pelicans. Honestly, I love this guy. I think he's a better fit for that starting lineup than Etuan Moore. Something because if you look at what he did w- a, a, in his role at the Warriors, where he just did all that movement cutting, had to guard the opponent's uh, point guard. I think that's exactly what the Pelicans need and I would love to see him start ahead of Etuan Moore, who I know and understand a lot of guys are high on and you shouldn't base this a few preseason games on which some people I've noticed on social media are doing. But I've been calling free and Clark ahead of Etuan Moore since, you know, before the game started. But we'll see. Um, but as for calling people fossils or relics or just bad fits, I don't know what they're basing off of because all these guys have at some point shown success in their previous stops. So why suddenly they come to New Orleans Is it not supposed to work. Um, we've got two of the best players in the game and you've got Drew Holiday, who I honestly think is going to have that bounce back campaign because I saw enough out of him this training camp that leads me to believe that at least the Pelicans are going to stay afloat while they deal with these initial injuries.
0: I definitely want to encourage our listeners to go back in time to August and check out a schedule announcement pod that Trevor and Travis and I made. Uh, just in regards to the beginning of the slate, uh, just just temper your expectations going into it. It is a difficult opening slate. Like I said, 10 games in the first 17 uh, days, many of them on the road. Our schedule really softens up in January, February, and March. So if you guys can just hang with us, we're all going to put it together. I want to throw something back to Ali, to and that's whether or not this Rajan Rondo hysteria is is a bit misplaced. And I'm not saying that, you know, he's not a great coach on the floor. The Bulls uh ranked him as their best teammate last year. And of course he outperformed all expectations in the two games in the playoffs last year before getting hurt. But with that being said, just from you know previous conversations to buddies I've made uh, with Chicago, with Dallas, with Sacramento, this this is a very up and down player who uh, everybody agrees that he shows out big, you know, when the lights are the brightest, the primetime games uh, or or playoff performances. But the, for the rest of the season, you know, he he was a bit overwhelming in his previous three stops. Now, with that being said, we've gotten super hyped with him coming to New Orleans, with him buddying up with his uh, old uh, younger brother, as they refer to each other as. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis certainly was high on him. There's a reason that Alvin Gentry and Dell Dems flew out to Kentucky to meet with him and his family and recruit him to New Orleans on an extremely pal- palatable contract. But with that being said, you know, this guy hasn't been an all-star the previous three years. Are are we overblowing uh how damaging losing out on this guy for four to six weeks can be, Ollie?
2: I think some people are, but I don't think the people close close followers like us or, you know, other experts, other um whatever you'll call NBA writers, uh, or the media, um, are. I think they know Rondo's history and background, that he hasn't been that guy to lead a team for a long time. So losing him isn't detrimental. And um, I think even besides myself, I can't remember who else, maybe it was Kevin that wrote on it, that losing Rondo isn't so much going to hurt us and, you know, the score sheet or something like that. But it was just the leadership, as you mentioned. It was getting, for me, it's getting the guys in the place, getting them to feel comfortable right at tip-off, um, getting the team to run those fast breaks. Suddenly, w- within the last week, week and a half, they've had to totally adjust that, and they don't have them on the floor anymore. So it's just like these small things that I think are going to hurt the Pelicans. But in the long run, that shouldn't hold them back once they get adjusted, you know, to playing without them on the floor. So, no, I don't think he's he's that damaging of a hit. Um, my bigger thing is that we lose a viable rotation player. We're short on them. I truly hope that Dell Demps is really thinking about, and I'm sorry, I'm changing the topic here, but pursuing somebody with that medical hardship. Um, I only see nine or 10 rotation players at max going for the Pelicans. If you've got one guy, say Anthony Davis misses with a stomach flu or somebody else has to deal with something else what are we going to do you don't want to start the season your your guys are getting winded playing big minutes and suddenly they're fatigued in the fourth quarter and that's why we're losing games so i'm hoping he examines and looks through combs through all the recent waivers um i know Quinn cook was released by the atlanta hawks and golden state just picked him up on a two-way but jameer nelson's the one that's really interesting to me and as everybody knows who follows the nba he was under Chris Finch's Denver highly high octane offense last season, and suddenly he's available. So that might make a perfect fit. Bring him on down to New Orleans, give another um, or get him some minutes handling the ball, or vice or, or whatever his role would be needed. But most likely it would be in that ball handling department. So I don't know. I'm just thinking that Rondo, yeah, the initial it's going to be an initial kind of hit and we've seen it in preseason game i'm hoping they've kind of gotten over the worst of it but yet i still think that the biggest thing with rondo being out is we just need that extra body so i don't know i'm i'm it's on the pelicans i'm i'm sure they're probably going to and have a look at how the pelicans fare in these first couple of games maybe on, on through this first uh uh road trip until they get back and face the cleveland cavaliers um whether they want to bring in somebody else or not but i think it's something they definitely have their eye on but i'm hoping that they do make the move simply for the reasons i've stated
0: i know that uh michael mcnamara is big on Bino udra coming to new orleans with that hard exception yeah, uh right now we got a fixation on him <laughs> yeah he sure does i'm giving him a uh, bit about it, so i had to say
2: something yeah sorry yeah Go my, ahead. michael
0: falls in love with these guys eric bledsoe and jeremy lynn and uh and Bino udra uh but who's to end ricky rubio at one time kevin let's let's throw this over to you uh Expand on what Ali was saying about the loss of Rajon Rondo. And uh, and his fit, as nothing else as a role player. Some of these guys, uh, these national media types, have said that the Pelicans might do a bit better because we are so short on shooting. Having Rondo off the floor, you know, opens up the floor for guys like uh, Drew Holiday, who was shooting 40% before we added Boogie Cousins last year, and Etwan Moore, who shot, I think, 44% in January last year, although he was a bit up and down. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned Jordan Crawford yet, who was 39%. Uh, talk about the loss of Rajon Rondo uh, and expand on what Ali was saying.
3: Well, for me, like, and I wrote this in the, uh, I think it was in the the Anthony Davis season preview I did. The main thing is just the um, sort of knowing each other's tendencies uh, that gets lost by not being able to play together and then sort of having to shift roles. And while Holiday's saying that he's, nothing's really changed, let's be honest, things have changed now that, that Rondo's out. I mean, it's, impossible for it not to change you have the guys playing in different spots guys playing different amounts of minutes you know so they have to prepare for different differently for games now and then once he comes back they have to reintegrate them that sets you back a little bit again everybody getting adjusted everybody getting used to their new minutes count their new spots they're playing on the floor who they're playing with all of that changes um so to me that's the biggest thing and also you know obviously his iq and leadership which was I mean, it was incredibly praised by every player at media day. Um, I've like joked that it's about it's like how on Sunday when I'm scrolling through Twitter, I see everybody tripping over themselves to see who can compliment Tony Romo's color commentary the most. You know, uh, it was kind of like that, just like this over top, over the top heap of praise. But I mean, he's still going to be around the team, but he's just not going to be on the court, you know, guiding them, getting people set up, barking at people. All those things uh which are needed um I don't necessarily agree that him being off the court well, I definitely don't agree that him being off the court helps uh with the shooting and all because I think you know one thing he's a great uh distributor, he sets people up, gets them easy shots, and he's not necessarily looking to shoot on his own, but he can find ways to score get into the basket, things like well that said, Kevin. Well um, said. but uh also I mean like. If you have Rondo in there and you have Rondo at Holiday's wingspan and defensive abilities, you can go smaller at the three. And then you could have a guy like you could either have Ian Clark or Etuan Moore playing that three spot more. And then that's more shooting and more aggression offensively than having uh, Dante Cunningham out there. While he proved last year that he can be a good three-point shooter, those are wide open and he's still reluctant to take the shot a lot. And I have more faith in, like, you know, Etwan Moore shooting the three than Dante, even though maybe Dante's numbers looked better last year. Um, And then also in terms of, like, if you have to start playing Dante at small forward, you have to start him that way. He also has to be the backup big because, look, Agensa is out, right? He's out right now. And Diallo is injured. So, like, who's the backup big man also? so that there's another wrench in your system there um so yeah losing rondo is big but it's not it it's not the end of the world it's just it's just another setback and it's going to take a few hurdles and it's disappointing especially because the first game that we're playing in memphis is a game that on paper if we're healthy we should win that game and mm-hmm. with the tough schedule that we have we need to win those winnable games i'm not like people are saying we have to have a you know, a strong start to the season. I don't necessarily think it has to be this incredible strong start where we come out and win all these games. We just have to win the ones that we should win. Because, you know, in the past we'd start out we wouldn't have a starting point guard on our team for the last couple of years for the first few weeks of the season because of injuries or, you know, Drew Holiday dealing with his wife's situation. And we get ourselves in those really big holes. But, like, if we're losing games to the Spurs and the Warriors and the Cavs to start this season, that's not a big deal because those are games we are likely to lose anyway at full health because those are great teams. Um, but you want to win the ones, like, the against the Grizzlies, you know, winnable games. And that's what we need. And it just – it's tough that, yeah, again, we're starting with an, another hurdle, another set of excuses, another reason to – have some doubt entering what should be a game that we would win.
0: Ollie, uh, Kevin mentioned Cech Diallo's ankle injury, and I knew that he was uh, held out of practice last week, but is he in danger of uh, missing the opener tomorrow?
2: No, no, he's fine. We talked to him yesterday, and I saw him moving around really well on the court and um, taking jumpers and everything else. So, you know, we can definitely expect him to play. But okay. again, so though, that's, that, that's interesting um, that Kevin brought him up. Cause yeah, that was just, at first he was listed as inactive yesterday, but that was, um, it, it could have been changed, but it looks like today he's listed as out with some kind of knee injury. So I don't know. This is brand new information. Personally to me, it's kind of a little bit of smoke, maybe. Um, maybe he found out that he's not going to be in the rotation. So he's been kind of wanting out of new Orleans. Maybe there's something a lot more there. You know, I'm just, I'm just speculating here, but I don't know, like the with a right knee injury when there's been no word of that and he's looked fine throughout the entire preseason, except for if you want to grade his performances. Um so that that's the the bigger news I think we need to talk to. And that's why I said that this this our lineup, our our, our rotation of uh, full allotment of personnel is really, really low. Um when you count all the injuries and then you throw Jensen in there now too. Man, we don't have a lot of healthy bodies to throw out there.
0: Uh, What kind of buyout do you think would make sense for a Jensen at this point? I think he's got two years and 10 million left on his deal and he probably wouldn't want to part with much of that because it'd be difficult for him to even get a minimum contract at this point. Do you think a buyout makes sense for him now, Kevin?
3: No. I mean, I think you'd have to trade them and throw in an asset for somebody to take them, you know, look at some of those teams that aren't meeting the, the floor. I don't even know if they have any teams like that right now. I haven't really looked through cap projections for every team yet, but um, somebody that might need to add some salary for two years that has like a really young team, you know, throw them a couple of second round picks or whatever to take, take them on, give them some cash. That's the only way. I mean, there's, if you buy him out, you still have you're, he's still on your cap. So it doesn't really help you. Um, but I do think um, like, I've i come around to your way of thinking Preston, how you were, you, or initially we were talking about a being, you know, the guy off, off the bench a little bit. Um, you know, when when these guys go out, we need to keep a center out there. But when you when when I'm looking at him now, you can see he's just not emotionally connected to this team at all. Like even a media day, he seemed to not be connected emotionally. Everybody else is super excited and happy. He was like the only bummer of the whole group. And defensively, he doesn't yeah, Kevin, give you anything. got
2: to you should point out the fact that two years ago it was just the opposite. He was probably the most geared up guy, and you saw that, right?
3: Um. But the uh, you know defensively he doesn't give you anything, and that was our biggest concerns with Diallo is that like while he has the tools to be physic uh, to to contribute physically defensively, the IQ is not there yet. But I'd rather go with the guy who's gonna give you energy and effort and have that athleticism and that athleticism that can make up for mistakes out there right now than than a Genta moping around. So. Um, yeah, I think it's one of those things where, it's, you know, it's just time. I mean, there's chance that he can still contribute to some teams out there. I mean, look, he does have a good mid-range jumper. He's okay around the basket. He's, every now and then he has those, uh, those really good uh, emphatic dunks on people, you know, from time to time, and he'll have those explosive games every now and then, like we see when he plays Toronto or whatever. Um, but, I mean, here, it's just done. You can just tell it's done. It's just like you know, it's just um, a marriage that needs to end and uh, hopefully they figure something out because they can get that 5 million. We need to clear some money for next offseason, you know, to pay Boogie um, and to try to build around that. So hopefully they can figure something out.
0: Yeah, definitely such a difficult situation having both he and Ashik showing up, you know, to, to the facility every single day. And just knowing that they're not going to see any floor time, although the The Pelicans are in such a pickle right now, especially at that position. And we talk about DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, always one of these guys being on the floor as a center. But something we also referenced is last year with the Pelicans, DeMarcus Cousins averaged 4.8 fouls per game, limiting him to just 30 minutes a game. So that's an extra 18 minutes on the floor that will need a a body out there. And Anthony Davis can't fill all of them. And uh, we all feel super nervous with Chek Diallo, just with a learning curve. He's only been playing uh, competitive basketball, I think, for about – Four years, he had his one year in Kansas, and before that, I think he just had two years of uh, basketball in America after coming overseas. So he's he's got a lot of learning to do, and I'm I'm not sure that he's ready for this opening uh, slate of games, uh, especially when he's going to be uh we're we're gonna he's going to be our primary big off the bench with somebody like Darius Miller who stands a six foot seven. We're not sure what he can give us against power forwards, but something that I did want to touch on, uh, we were talking about bringing in somebody like an Udra or some kind of point guard, Jameer Nelson. And I feel a bit more confident about this. And uh, I'm going to transition right over to Jordan Crawford. I was talking to Mike Prada of SB Nation on Twitter today. And uh, Jordan Crawford does have some experience as a point guard in his time in Washington. I know you're going to shoot me down, Ollie, but just hear me out. Um, After joining the Pels against the Jazz last season, Crawford averaged 14 points per game on 48% shooting, over 39% from three. He showed assertiveness, great awareness as a passer. He didn't turn the ball over, averaged one turnover per game. He was dubbed instant grits by Demarcus Cousins immediately for injecting a scoring punch off the bench that the Pelicans desperately needed uh last season. However, everyone that I have heard of is expecting him to take a step back, that it was just lightning in a bottle and now he's going to come back to reality. But uh what Mike was saying is that he doesn't like the natural fit of Etwan More next to uh Drew Holiday. He's He's in, I think in my estimation, a a dumbed down version of Drew Holiday. You know, he can do all those things sort of well. He can play defense sort of well. But what Drew Holiday really needs next to him is a confident, assertive player. And I know you're super high on Ian Clark. And Jordan Crawford is the only uh, contract that has yet to be guaranteed left on the roster. So he is the guy to point at in in case the, the Pelicans do want to make a move, like Richard Jefferson, who was signed by the Denver Nuggets yesterday. Ali, explain why so many people want to run Jordan Crawford out of town, and if you think he could be a viable starting point guard next to Drew Holiday through the first four weeks. Sure.
2: Uh, real quick, I think that was Mike Peltier of Bourbon Street Shots you were talking to, not Mike. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't even know yeah. who I'm talking to. That's hilarious. Yeah, I need to clear that up. Yeah, I, I caught that. I saw you doing that back and forth. He's recently changed his Twitter account handle as to where you see MPs. So I, I can see exactly why he stopped Mike Prada. But, no, that's Pelsier, man, of Bourbon Street Shop. Nice save. But, uh, yeah, no, anyway, that's all good. So all good. I just want to make sure for the listeners that we get the facts straight. Um, <laughs> Jordan Crawford, though, they, they want to run out simply because – he hasn't looked good, and if you go back to his previous history pr- prior to what he did while in the New Orleans Pelicans uniform last year, was not good in the NBA. He was always kind of that, you know, let's face it, ball-dominant chucker. He, whenever he got possession, he ended up usually winding up taking the shot himself. And kind of this preseason, we saw that. Um, at least I noticed that. He, a lot of those possessions he had touches, he would end it with a jumper somewhere. Um, and half the times it wasn't, you know, a good shot. So I can see why people are down on him. Um, it's beginning to look almost like a fluke, but again, it's just four games, so you can't roll that out. you got to give him the benefit of the doubt of how well he did fit in. And I, that was one of the first things I noticed last year was that uh, playmaking ability that, that you referenced, uh, and that's mm-hmm. something that this team desperately needs. If they're going to make Chris Finch's offense come, come to life, uh, a realization, whatever you want to say, they're going to need everybody that's out on the court being one of those types that can move without the ball, move with the ball, find other players, and take a shot from pretty much anywhere on the floor. And is one of those guys that fits that profile. So I think people should lighten up on him. I know I've been hard on him lately just simply because I think there's better options. I think that both Moore and Clark, in the long run, are better players on both sides of the ball or offer, you know, even a little more in certain areas that the Pelicans need. Um, so, but, you know... I mean, it's hard for me to argue one way or the other, President. at this time, because, you know, we have so many issues, so many question marks with the lineup. It's hard to go ahead now and slaughter these guys or say they can't do this or, you know, someone's kind of much time to limit. We've got 10 healthy guys, so we've got to honestly, we need every single guy at the start here, and let's throw them in the fire and see what they do and hope for the best. Um, honestly, that's the way we can, best way you can do. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what you think, Kevin, but we've got three all-star types and they're surrounded by guys that haven't played that much together. So, I mean, what what else can the Pelicans do?
0: I'm going to set this up for Kevin cuz we lost him for a moment. Kevin, are you good now?
3: Yeah, I don't know what happened. I got booted for a second, but I'm back. Don't no worry. I I missed, I missed
0: Yeah, yeah I'm going to set you up for this. I'll do it. Uh, so basically uh, there's, there's a lot of moving and missing pieces as Ali and I have been referencing, you know, in terms of, you know, needing to add a potential big who can spell Anthony Davis and DeMarcus uh, whenever they need their breaks. And obviously we have need of a, of a distributing point guard, uh, somebody like a Jameer Nelson, who we referenced earlier. Uh, but we were talking about Jordan Crawford and the reason his name keeps coming up is because he is the last contract not to be guaranteed. We have 14 uh, fully guaranteed contracts on the roster right now should the pelicans not execute a hardship exception jordan crawford is the only real movable piece if we did need to go out and bring somebody like a quinn cook back talk about jordan crawford's fit do you think that last year was a fluke or do you think that he is super integral to what the pelicans are going to need off the bench going forward just just tell us your views once again for probably the fourth time this summer on jordan crawford (laughs)
3: Well, I, I'm, uh, I'm in the Crawford camp. You know, I, I like him a lot. Um, one thing you had mentioned about him playing some point in Washington, but he also played point in uh, Boston when Rondo got hurt. And uh, he won Eastern Conference Player of the Week one week, you know, when Ro- that year Rondo was out for a while. So he has uh, shown he can do it in the league. And I agree that he has, uh, you know, the tools to be a playmaker. He is an incredible finisher around the room. He's got a good handle. He's, you know, he showed he could shoot last season. Um, Now, if that was a fluke, we'll find out. But I think what he showed last year is enough to at least give him some time to prove that that was a fluke. You know, I don't I don't see getting rid of of him right now, because, I mean, really, even if you cut him, that's not that much money that you're saving. And then you're still signing another guy at the minimum. So I don't I don't see that. And. As far as bringing in, I don't I don't agree that we really need another playmaking point guard. I don't like the mm-hmm. idea of bringing in Udry or Jameer Nelson. Um, I think we're fine. I mean, we have Drew Holiday. We have Ian Clark. We have Jordan Crawford. We have Boogie Cousins. We have Anthony Davis looking like he's improved his playmaking ability. We have Rondo coming back in a month, a month and a half. You know, I mean, I, I don't the playmaking as being that big of a need for me our needs are at the wing some some bodies some more bodies that can play the 3 and, and play the 4 you know um because like we are already talked about Dante's going to have to play the 4 a lot um or you're going to have to trust Diallo to play the 4 a lot or 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 the 5 whatever you want to put him in at um and maybe even Darius Miller who's definitely undersized over there so if you're going to add anybody that's where i'm looking to add i'm not looking to add uh, another guard to this team that to me is very guard heavy i mean even etuan Moore is a decent playmaker you know um so I uh, in the way the i just have real quick around. i want to clarify this oh sorry go ahead go ahead no i just want to clarify when I, I was talking
2: about his playmaking i was trying to more reference of what he did last year he had that familiar familiarity filled up by playing in a Chris Finch offense, that's where I don't think one Moore has any of it. Last year, one wasn't asked to bring the ball up the floor, and he wasn't asked to cut and move. And if you look at the numbers, he didn't do any of that stuff. Um, the It was a very point guard-centric offense, and then Boogie came over and then he ran some stuff. But as far as our wings, they never really initiated any offense. And that's why Jordan Crawford, I think, stands out, because he did do that. It just came naturally to him, and he did it. Um, now for us to not say that we need other guards, I think kind of, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Yes, if you look at the amount of guys we have on the roster, amount of bodies, yeah, you could say that. But if you look at guys that can execute, and like I said, I watch closely every preseason minute, and these guys just weren't moving. They didn't execute the offense like they should have anywhere close to it. And everybody can say preseason, but when you don't see guys cutting, when you see them staying around like they did last season for, um, you know it was periods of time. It wasn't just a couple possessions or something. It was like at times at least quarters worth. So I, that's where my concern is. That's what I kind of meant by the playmaking bit. Um I think Jameer Nelson would be a boon. He might be able to be able to guy, be that guy, excuse me, on the court that could kind of get Y Moore to move, kind of get the guys in the right places like a Darius Miller, Dante Cunningham. Well, I don't think honestly know how to read and react because they've always told one thing is to stay out of the way on offense. So they they need so much coaching. They need so much help for this offense to work. So I that's where I think Jameer Nelson would help. Um, I hear your your point totally on the wings and we do need more Lord. I hope at the trade deadline we can land a good three four because this team's gonna sorely need it. I think that's gonna bear out in uh this first half. But for right now, I don't think it would hurt to bring in Nelson on that hardship. So it's great that we have discrepancy. Yeah. I like it. No. Um, Sorry about well, the dog, you guys.
3: That's uh, <laughs> fine. <laughs> the but, but other thing I was going to say, though, is like, I feel like everything we've been hearing is that initially when we got Chris Finch, we thought the offense was going to change a whole lot. And apparently, it should. It yeah, hasn't. it should. But the, the ideas are still more of Gentry's system just trying to eliminate yeah. the mid ranges. So. In a sense, we're not even running the Finch offenses, which is why you're not seeing all that movement, I think. And I think the guys are capable of doing it, because it's always been my problem with Alvin Gentry. I just don't think he's that good of a coach. I think he's basketball's North Turner. I've said that so many times. You know, he's like, he's, he does well as an assistant coach. He's a likable personality. But when it comes to running a team, I just don't have any confidence in him, and you know we're we're not i think if Finch was actually given the reins for the offense we would see Etoani Moore making cuts because i watched you know when we signed him i went back and watched a bunch of chicago games and i he made me get really into him because he was great i running at the basket he had a great floater game a good layup game he was knocking down threes he was making some nice passes and i just don't i haven't seen him do that consistently with the pelicans and I don't necessarily think it's his fault because when uh, when we got Gentry, I was expecting to see a bunch of off-ball movement at least, you know, like people running off the screens. I thought Eric Gordon would be running around the court like Ray Allen, ducking screen, uh, like uh, running people off the screens, getting open. That didn't happen. We got Buddy Hield. I thought we were going to do that with him. That didn't happen. Um, you know, like I said before, I thought if you looked at player movement on our on a chart, it should for us, I was expecting it to look like one of those family circus comics where you see all the like, little pathway where the kid went all over the house or all over the, you know, they used to have that thing with a little dotted line everywhere they yeah. went. There should be all this movement. But instead, we just got a bunch of Google pins, people just standing in one spot. Nobody moves. And it's been three years now with Gentry, and that's been the situation. So I don't think that it's necessarily the player's fault that we're not moving because I've seen some of these guys move before I'm seeing Eric Gordon move in Houston. I'm, you know, like it's, it doesn't seem to be the actual mandate or what they're calling for, or they just don't know what to do because there's not enough guidance from, from the coach. But um, I think Ethan Moore is very capable of hand the, handling that role. And I think he's a much better player than what we've seen from him last year. And like I said, at the beginning of the year, Last year, everything was about get AD going, get AD going. So he was taking a step back, and he was dealing with a foot injury. Then, when when we got cousins, it was all about building chemistry between them. So everybody's like taking a back seat, being told not to be aggressive, and just sort of like live on in the background, be the ambient player on the court. So, I think if if, uh, if it needs to be a real mindset change from the coaching staff down that will trickle down to the players and have them moving because why else aren't they? I mean, there's no real reason for it.
0: As far as the national media is concerned, Rajan Rondo, Demarcus Cousins, and Anthony Davis might be the the focal points of conversation starters with the New Orleans Pelicans. But for for diehard fans like us, I feel like the MVPs of the offseason in terms of just like hearing their names are probably Etuan Moore and Omri Caspi. It's incredible how divisive we can all be in in regards to Etuan Moore. Um but I definitely agree with everything you said. Last year, once we added Boogie and we lost some of those guys like Langston Galloway and Buddy Heald and Tyreek Evans, we did see a lot more assertiveness from Etuan Moore. And parts of his game that I had never seen before, and he averaged double digits after that point so definitely think that uh once he gets comfortable in this offense that he is going to be a positive rather than a, a minus for us and while he didn't play particularly well in that preseason game against uh the grizzlies defensively um he does have good feet and good footwork and he looks like he has good technique so i'm i'm expecting a lot of things out of him this year but let's let's move along guys because we still have uh the focal point of this podcast to discuss which is our opening slate of games before we get to that Ollie, Anthony Davis was limited in practice due to a stomach issue, and Boogie was held out of practice on Sunday due to a gippy ankle. Any chance we're not going to see one of these guys tonight?
2: Uh, tomorrow, no. Th- those guys will be good to go for tomorrow. There's, there's no chance either one's missing the game.
0: Sorry, As I said tonight, I was thinking, are we releasing this podcast tonight on Tuesday or are we putting it up in the morning? And I just went with one. <laughs> uh, but and then I was thinking, ah, oh, maybe I should tell our listeners that we're recording this on Tuesday. And then I was like, no, they don't care. Why am I having this conversation with myself? Anyway, let's dive into the opening week. We've got a slate of games against the Grizzlies in Memphis, uh, the Warriors for the home opener for, I believe, the third year in a row. And then we go to Los Angeles and the Lakers Sunday, followed by the Blazers on Tuesday night. kevin sum up the pelicans first four games give us our our opening week recap in advance
3: okay well i think you're gonna see a pretty tough fight in memphis just because of a adjust, adjustment period but when you think about it you know the marcus cousins he he averages out their best player marcus all or maybe he's not their best player anymore maybe mike conley's taking that stuff but that that's uh evened out that's a wash at least if unless we get like a really great cousins performance where it's a plus for us davis kills their their power forward rotation of j michael green and and, uh chandler parsons then mike conley should win the i think he's you know a better player than drew holiday so he's got that there then the rest is just like i mean i don't know memphis's rotation is weird they got a lot of guys like you know they just cut Baldwin a recent first round pick they got they're relying on Selden Harrison um uh you're, you're looking Tyreek. at um, yeah Chalmers coming back uh who looked I think he looked pretty good in the preseason from what I've seen right but Ooh. um I don't know I've never really been a big fan of Chalmers game but I do like that he's looking a lot like Master P right now that is pretty awesome <laughs> but uh um I wish they would just let him wear, like, a handkerchief tied around his head instead of a headband. That would be great. But uh, anyway, and then, yeah, you know, I will always love Tyreek Evans. But, you know, he's uh, he didn't look so hot in preseason so far, and it's just going to see how he fits in. I mean, you see how his legs do, and it's all about health with him, really. Um, But I think it's a game we should win. I think it's going to be What's your
2: prediction, Kevin? What's your prediction? I'm curious, because Preston said they're winning. I said they're going to lose. What's yours?
3: I think we're going to win. I think we'll win. Um, I think it'll, you know, I think the offense will stumble a little bit. Um, So I think we'll be right around a hundred points. And I think uh, we'll hold them to under a hundred, you know, like 97 or something like maybe, let's just say like 101 to 97. Okay. I'll go with that.
0: All right, Kevin, what's your um, prediction?
3: Yeah, there you go. Sorry. Golden State. Golden State, obviously, you know, that's tough and we'll uh, have a podcast about that soon but um I mean that's a game we aren't expected to win but it's a team that we do play kind of tough and then it'll be interesting at times I should say we've played kind of tough we've been blown out as well but um you know it'll be a good interesting test to see how going big against this team will be even though we won't be at full strength so it'll be rather interesting i think we'll put up a good fight but i think we're gonna lose that one you know i mean i would say is that that one you know is going to be a little bit more high scoring probably golden state 115 maybe one 103 for us we'll, we'll probably uh get get uh tired out towards the end and they'll go on a late fourth quarter run i would think um then what's the next one Portland.
0: Uh, the Lakers. Lakers on Sunday and then oh,
3: Lakers. Tuesday. Lakers, I, we should be we should be Los Angeles. I mean, uh, Boogie should destroy uh, Brooke Lopez. I know a lot of people think Brooke Lopez is a really good player. I just I don't I don't know. I just I, I remember people wanted to trade for him, and I was mm-hmm. just like, Ugh, you know. And I just I've never been a Brooke Lopez fan, and I think Boogie will kill him. And I think AD will wreak havoc. Drew Holiday will take. Well, I think he will take pride in guarding Lonzo Ball, you know, trying to shut down this flashy rookie that, you know, that has got all this hype machine built around him. You know, I think I think you'll see Drew Holiday work him hard on defense. Um, so I I think we'll we'll win that one, and I think uh, we'll win that one, you know, by a pretty decent margin. I think I think you know you could look at something like one ten to ninety five, something like that. And then Portland is always a tough one. You go into Portland. That's, uh you know tough to play over there. They got a great fan base. Um got a great backcourt. Uh, our front court should dominate theirs. But you know Aminu's a sneaky good defender, you know, and uh and uh if McCollum and Lillard get hot, you know, they could roast us. So I'm not sure about that one honestly. I don't know how to think. I think I think if we're fully healthy and and we had a full training camp where we were able to build exactly what we wanted to going into the season that we should win that game but we didn't have those things so and they're at home and we're on the road and I just I think that's going to be that that might be a loss for us um but I think it should be a fun game I think there's going to be a lot of scoring in it um so that's my take on those games I don't know what do you think Ali
2: I think the Pelicans are going to start the season off one and three, and the only one's going to come against the Lakers. I think it's going to be a hard fought contest up in Memphis tomorrow night. I think that the, the Warriors are going to absolutely destroy us because I haven't seen the requisite defense, the perfect switching after more in the past or two from the Pelicans. So I think the Warriors are literally just going to dismantle us, almost like kind of like Houston did last year, and whatever other teams like really just had a bunch of open threes and pretty much made the majority of them. That's what I'm afraid of. I know they've played, played them tough in the past, but I don't see it for this game. And then uh, the Portland Trailblazers, yeah, that's a toss-up for me. You've got Portland, whose two best players are easily in the backcourt, and ours are in the frontcourt. And that really could go either way. But, you know, you've got, you've got to give it to the Trailblazers, I guess. So, yeah, one and three is how um, I see the start for the Pelicans this season.
0: All right, I'm going to be a bit more optimistic just because we are here, because we are fans of the Pelicans. And last season, we saw a couple of games where DeMarcus Cousins was removed uh, due to his technical fouls or due to suspensions. And uh, the Pelicans really did a fantastic job against the Houston Rockets with Solomon Hill being their primary scorer. With DeMarcus and Anthony Davis in the lineup all bit without uh, Nurkic, uh, we destroyed the Blazers 179. And we also had that super successful contest against the Nuggets without, uh, without uh, DeMarcus Cousins. And the reason that I bring all of this up Is because while we are shorthanded, we seemingly are every year. We have a healthy Anthony Davis. We have a healthy DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, These guys should have built up some kind of continuity. They've been working out together since uh, late June, I think, with Chris Finch during las vegas summer league these guys were already putting in work together so we have to expect that these two top 20 players possibly top 15 players are gonna are gonna come in and be able to handle at least the grizzlies uh i also am a bit confused uh about the matchup with portland because i would have said this would have been uh, a win for us but nurkic came in and he just looked so dynamite with the trailblazers towards the end of last season so don't necessarily know how they're going to finish up and in my podcast with zach junda uh previewing the western conference i had portland as making it into the playoffs, so i do anticipate they're going to be good this year um let's call it for now you guys before we do that kevin do you want to um uh, do you want to plug your interview tomorrow or i guess i should say thursday night with our warriors expert
3: sure um so i have a very good friend named mike park who is uh, a huge warrior fan he lives out in san francisco he's a uh, Big time guy in the Bay Area punk scene. He was in a band called Skanking Pickle back in the day. He owned, uh, he started Dill Records and then uh, Asian Man Records. Put out hundreds of records of punk ska reggae. It's been like a big force for uh, social justice uh, for for a long time. Uh, he tours currently uh, with a with a band called Mixtapes um with a girl mara who actually just moved to new orleans she's uh, dating my friend zach who's the singer for a fat records band called Pairs. so there's like all this cool like punk rock thing going on there but he also um you know i've been knowing him for years and he's a huge basketball fan and whenever he's in new orleans he and i take him to uh pelicans games and we you know talk basketball all the time uh he actually I don't know if you remember this ollie but remember when i wrote a piece back in the day where i uh went and watched the radio broadcast for a for a moment uh for like a quarter oh um, yeah,
2: yeah yeah
3: yeah yeah that my friend mike he was uh the guy who was with me at that time he was in town okay. he uh also he also sometimes tours with uh nickelodeon's yo gabba gabba um he mm. plays songs uh with them and uh hangs out with Bismarcky on the tour bus and all so It'd be pretty fun just to get a different perspective, uh, you know, and, uh, and it's always nice to talk to Mike. He's just a great guy. So I hope you guys enjoy that.
0: Yeah, we're gonna be doing this all season long. We've got Mark King of the Memphis Grizzlies already up. You can check out that pod. Uh we'll probably either have Clayton Fawcett of Lakers Pulse or Christian Revis of 16 Wins a Ring talking about the Lakers. And then I still gotta find a guy for the Blazers, but we will be doing this all season long. And Zach Junda is actually gonna host some podcasts himself doing the Denver Nuggets and the Cleveland Cavaliers. So make sure that you guys subscribe. Thank you all so much. As always, you can follow Ollie at Ollie CoSell, Kevin at Kevin B for Bounce. These guys and the rest of the group kill it on the thebirdrights.com every single day. But make sure you visit the site and you stay up to date on all of the absolute latest and rumors and analysis on your Pelicans. Now, as I mentioned, we've got game previews with outside experts coming all season. We've got recaps. We're going to have Zach and Travis host a couple of podcasts. So if you guys are into it, subscribe. As always, if you like what you're hearing, spread the word. We appreciate it so much. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. I'm so jacked up. Basketball is back. Any parting shots, Ollie? Nope. Let's
2: get to the games. Can't wait either. <laughs> even right. though I, even though you think I'm a pessimist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you, Kevin? Any final thoughts? Uh,
3: that's gonna, uh, I'm just hyped about the real big arrow. Let's do it. Go. You sound hyped.
0: Let's do it big. Let's go, Pels.
1: progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers discount not available in all states or situations
2: geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your
1: roommate
0: hi so about the kitchen turns out when there's a grease fire you're not supposed to throw water on it <laughs> who would have known right anyways the fire department is here and it's totally cool give me a call back when you get a chance
2: The GEICO Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected. Like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit GEICO.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.